Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Learner's Corner Podcast. This is a podcast for lifelong learners where we learn from anything and everything. My name is Kayla Mason. You've developed a podcast voice. This is just my normal voice. No, it's not. When you start the podcast, you go into oh, podcast yeah. voice. You so kind of do. Like starting in the podcast is podcast voice, and then yeah. kind of And then you stop it. Yeah, it kind of goes away. You start like, and today on the podcast. Anyways, my name is so, Todd Hicksonball, aka the Toddfather. So, who are you? I'm Todd Hicksonball. I didn't Hicksonball, know who you were until you said something. Aka the Toddfather. Thank you very much. And if our early intro is of any indication, we are going to have a ton of fun are on we? today's podcast. Who are we talking to? Today, we are talking with our good friend, Ashley Bohink. So if you didn't turn off the podcast because of Todd's it's scream. It's Ashbo. We're the two best friends that anyone could have. We're the two so, best friends that anyone could have. And we're all great friends. That was for you, Ashley. I sang for you. So It was horrible, too. Gosh, that was bad. Uh, we have recommended Ashley. Is all, Ashley, let me tell you a little bit about Ashley. Ashley is the director of middle school strategy at orange she is also the host of the think orange podcast and is a panelist on the rethinking youth ministry podcast shout out to those people she also helps run an organization called carry 117 and but for those of you um we've recommended the think orange podcast many times before as a learner's corner resource several times but one of the reasons if you're wondering why man why did todd just break out into song you need to go and listen to the Think Orange podcast and listen to her and Aussie Dave, a.k.a. Dave Adamson, to hear the ratchetness that goes on over there when they start singing. Or you could just listen to our interview with Ashley. Or you could just listen to our interview Either with way. Ashley, because it happens there, too. But before we get into our conversation with Ashley, we have our... Is actually, time? before we get into that... Dang it! What are we going to talk with Ashley about? I don't remember. What did we talk with Ashley about? Hmm. Oh, maybe Gen Z, a.k.a. the group of people that she's in charge of, a.k.a. middle school and high school, a.k.a. stuff. Yes. All and, of that. And one of the things that we're going to talk with her about, which I absolutely love, this is the geekiness, the nerdiness. You're, inside you're of a nerd. Me. Thank you, Todd. I you're appreciate well. it. And Jesus love. Is... um is kind of one of the things that they moved to with their orange strategy of the middle school um, YouTube videos and using yes. YouTube-style videos to connect with uh, middle school students. And you, guys, and you guys use that curriculum and stuff at your church. We do. And so you guys are kind of on the front end of that going, this is balling. Yeah, not to brag, but we're kind of a big deal, I guess. Kind of a big deal. However, before we get is into it, that. Is it the church or is it you? Let's be honest. I'll let, I'll let you, I'll let you I'm decide. gonna say Caleb J. Mason's I'll awesome. I'll let you decide that one, Todd, because he's my best However, friend. Before we've already gone off the rails, have we though? We have. We start off the we rails. We have. go off roading. <laughs> is it time? It is time. Let's do our Learner's Corner approved resource of the week. I stole your thunder. You gonna do something? A song? Ba da ba 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 ba! I wasn't gonna do it this week, but you forced me. I think we have to because it's oh, this. fine. Yeah, it's kind of the thing now. However, I don't know why I said however. 
I have the resource this weekend. Oh my goodness, Todd, I have a phenomenal resource. Is it phenomenal or is it incredible? It's a movie. What is it? It is the movie 8th Grade. No, but you've been talking about and it I've, for a long I've time. I've been wanting to watch it for so long. And well, I Stuart just, told us about it. And I just watched it. And it's so good. Highly recommend it to kind of keep on theme with today about Gen Z. It's really good. It's not what I expected. It, it's not a documentary, but it has the feel of a documentary to it. And it really gives you an, an insight. Um, and really, it's more about the internet and how the internet and social media affects us uh, more than what we know. So that is our Learner's Corner recommended resource of the week. And you can find the link to that stuff in the show notes. But Caleb, we have some cool stuff we're doing today with Ashley. We do. Let's get to it. Here we go. Well, hey, Ashley, we are so excited to have you on the Learner's Corner podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. This is exciting. Ashbo's in the house. Ah, oh, Dave Adamson gave me that nickname. It's sticking. What in the world? Hey, Dave. I, <laughs> Dave, I'm gonna. I hope you're listening. I'm gonna send this to you. Um, I need you to teach me how to speak Australian. <laughs> Please do that. Please, please have him on the pod to talk about online church. See, that's the thing is he's been on the podcast. Oh. And, you know, I wasn't able to pick up his his accent. I didn't do it. Well, I've tried to, but I can only get, like, certain words. (laughs) He sounds way cooler saying things, though. I just want tutoring lessons. That's all I want. (laughs) Record it, please, for all of us. I don't think anybody's going to want that. Oh, okay. Well, hey, Ashley, we're super excited to talk to you about um, some Gen Z stuff and kind of how um, how you and your role at Orange have kind of like adapted stuff as it concerns Gen Z uh, to like your curriculum and stuff like that and some of the YouTube mm-hmm. videos. And then we're going to get into that in a little bit. Uh, but just as we start out, um, who is Gen Z for people who may not be familiar with it? Yeah, so I guess I want to start off by saying um, I feel like every day I'm learning something new about Gen Z. So I am talking from a person who's learning about it experience, not like the expert voice here. Um, So I get really excited talking about it because um, I have such a heart for teenagers. And when I can understand them better, I feel like um, I can, you know, better minister or lead them. But um, for the purpose, I mean, there's always this like bubble generation between generations that happens. I'm like kind of on the edge of a bubble generation between Gen X and millennial. But um, I would say for the purpose of this conversation, I guess we'd say like senior in high school and younger, maybe two, year 2000 and after. So I'm I'm curious, what is something that you've learned about Gen Z yeah, well, actually, Google just released a study um, that they did. It's, it's funny. The study was called It's Lit, a guide to what <laughs> teens think is cool <laughs> by Google, which is hilarious. Um, and it just talks about, like, the, the brands that they associate with and how they're different from millennials. And um, I know, like, several months ago, Barna came out with their whole research project on Gen Z. And a lot of people were talking about it. Um, but I think one of the most unique and beautiful things about Gen Z is that they really are the most racially, religiously, and sexually diverse generation in American history, which means it's like there's a lot of new things that we're seeing, which is really neat. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and one of the most unique things, I think, is the shift from, uh, you know, the parents of Gen Z are um, millennials and the Gen Xers. And there was a shift from millennials really valued like family and educational achievement, um, where what Gen Z reports are showing is, yes, they still value the education piece, but they've replaced family value the, the value of family with financial independence. Um, and it's so interesting to me because a lot of people, I mean, even reading some of the studies, they're like, what's wrong with this generation? Like, why don't they care about family? And, you know, all this kind of stuff. It's not that they don't care about family. But when you think about their parents, every generation is a reaction, not a reflection of the generation before them. And so, you know, their parents went through the recession and and they had to learn, you know, they watched their parents be in debt for college and um, you know, family, you know, marriage breakdowns and those statistics rise and they watch their parents struggle financially. And so of course that's going to become a huge value to them. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's, what's so interesting is, is figuring out what they really value, because if we don't, as, as a millennial generation or whatever generation you are listening, if we don't know what their values are, it has severe implications for how we actually interact with them and the, the outcome of those relationships because we'll be trying to answer questions or solve problems that they're not even asking those questions or they're not even looking at as a problem. Mm-hmm. One of the things I found interesting is that a lot of folks, especially in church world, um, and, and by the way, I'm going to say this and it's going to sound like I'm dogging on church people, but I'm not. Um, <clears throat> in church world, we, we've tried a lot of the time to transpose what related to millennials Mm-hmm. on to, to Gen Z. Mm-hmm. And we've tried to say, you know, a lot of the same things matter um, in the same ways. And, and one of the things that I've found interesting in particular is middle school ministry, which is kind of your, your thing. Mm-hmm. It's your thing. Shout out to the awkward years. <laughs> Shout out to the awkward years. Um, <clears throat> yeah. The, the best years. One of the one of the things I found interesting just about that time period and how and how it shifted from millennials um, and what they valued to to now um, this middle school crop is I didn't care about what I didn't care about shoes in middle school. (laughs) Right. I didn't care about (laughs) shoes. These little kids. I'm telling you what I walk Uh, in with like what the shoes I have on today and they would bust all over me. About it tells you not about a person, they say. It tells you all about, and, and they, they pay attention to it, and it freaks uh-huh. me out. Um, what are some other things that you see maybe middle school kids um, paying attention to that we don't necessarily always think about? Um, <clears throat> oh, my goodness. Things that they pay attention to that we don't think about. Oh my gosh, I could take this in a million ways. Um, take it in your way. <clears throat> Um, I have the tiger. Right. Okay. So I guess I would say, man, I have a million things that just popped into my mind all at once. So I'm like standing at the crossroads, like which way do I want to go right now? Right. Um, but I guess when it, like initially when it comes to faith, um, you know, a lot of, you know, millennials, like when we were growing up, cause you guys are millennials, right? Yep. You know, we were growing up and everybody just talked about all these people are leaving the church, which is true. And a lot of millennials had left the church. And what was interesting about Gen Z that we probably don't 
think about that often is because their parents, the millennials had walked away from the church. A lot of them were raised in, you know, non-traditional homes or homes where, you know, religion wasn't even brought up. So millennials tended to have this negative experience with church and Gen Z didn't even have an experience. It wasn't negative or positive. It just wasn't anything. And so I think we don't often think about, wow, that really changes our approach because if if somebody has a negative approach or a negative perspective of something versus no perspective at all, you would talk very differently to that person. Mm -hmm. Um, And another thing that I think we don't often think about is um, the whole brand loyalty. And, And although Gen Z is very loyal to brands, you know, especially like Netflix, Google, YouTube, um, and even though they're loyal to that brand, what's interesting is, you know, Gen X and millennials, there was all, every brand had like the loyalty program, the loyalty rewards program membership or whatever. And basically they, they expected you to be loyal to that brand. So like, for example, when I was growing up, that was like Abercrombie and Fitch and Hollister and, you know, things like that. You were basic, and, weren't you? Like, I said, you were basic, weren't you? <laughs> you know, you know. And I so um, what, I, what I was reading at Forbes magazine did the study and they were just saying marketing to Gen Z is they actually expect the brand to be loyal to them, which is like a total flip in the way that you interact with this generation. Um, and so I think we don't often think about we, we, we try to do church the way we were taught to do church and the way that people did church for us. And what Gen Z studies are showing is, is that's actually not going to work best for this generation, meaning we can't just create these amazing environments and expect teenagers to come and keep coming because what they expect is the church or their small group or their small group leader or their whatever friends to be loyal to them and come to their life, come to their games, come to their interests. Um, and I think that we really, you know, sometimes miss that. Because change is hard, right? Especially if it isn't, it it isn't, you know, something they're familiar with. Okay, so what? So you also have experience with Gen Z, you know, working at Orange, you know, working at North Point, and then, you know, what what have you personally experienced about Gen Z that is um, that is just great? Because it's you know we hear a lot of these things, and I think part of the natural tendency is to go man, they face these challenges. They're like this. You know, I don't like all the tough stuff that comes with a generation, which is just true for everybody. But what have you seen that is like the, man, this is the great things about Generation Z. Ooh, this is a good question. I'm excited because I think one of the most beautiful things about Gen Z is their value of authenticity and how they really, they don't want something that's fake They don't want you to like put on a show or production. They're like, just be real. And like, when you talk to me, be real and take me serious and, or have fun with me, but be real about it. And I think that makes our job easier as youth pastors and as small group leaders, because, you know, they walk into the group and they're not expecting you to be perfect. Where I remember, you know, growing up, you walk into church and you feel like, you, you need to act a certain way or, or you, you know, you expect perfection where if this generation's expecting brokenness in the world, man, what an awesome, you know, entryway to have a conversation about, you know, an authentic savior in authentic community mm-hmm. um, where you really can be real. But I think that that's often a challenge for the small group leaders because they haven't necessarily been all raised 
to do that. Um, but I think it's one of the most beautiful things about Generation Z, and I think it's something that we can all learn from. I mean, it's why they love YouTube. The the non-produced YouTube stars have way more influence than any, you know, celebrity. Um, it's why they have Finsta accounts, if they still do that, you know, because now they want they have, to. Now they'll have three. Yeah. They oh, will, yeah? So, yeah. So they'll have their main, they'll yeah. have a Finsta, and then they'll have a spam. Okay. Okay. Three. So what I was told is it's like they this is how it was said to me. Well, you know how back in the day girls would sometimes like give a guy the the wrong number? And I was like, Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, Well, we'll give them a wrong like like a different like a spam account. Wow. And I and I heard that and I was like, What world am I living in? Like what at is- least at least the strategy carried over. <laughs> I'm like, what is happening right now? This is That's amazing. This is nuts. It's also where like they'll throw all the random posts that they don't want to put on their main Instagram. Well, I think that's what's so cool about what to understand about them is um, you know, for parents, they the parents are following them on the Instagram account, which is like the the image they should be portraying and their parent wants them to portray. But then they're like well, this is really who I am or really the kind of pictures I want to take or really the things that I'm interested or liking or whatever. But the parents following the account that is portraying who they think they want them to be. And if we're honest, it's all really going down in Snapchat. Like, Yeah. Well, yeah. <clears throat> Although in the Google study, it was saying Instagram more so than Snapchat even. Well, only so it depends on what they're doing. So if they're talking, if they're talking to boyfriend, girlfriend, it's always on Snapchat. Oh, unfortunately. Mm. Yeah. If it's if it's or like FaceTime. If, if if it's stuff that they want to to like put out there that's more permanent, then yeah, then you're right. They'll go to Instagram. But yeah. if they're if they're doing if they're talking to boys and girls, it it goes down in Snapchat. Man, I'm so, grateful that I I did we didn't have access to smartphones like that. Dude, I'd have been so high school. school. I would have been so ratchet. It would have uh, been bad. It yeah, been I mean. Really bad. Good talk. So, <laughs> there's Todd's therapy for the week. Um, hey, uh, one thing that I want to ask you about is that with Orange and with XB3, you've recently moved and made some adjustments to like your video curriculum specifically. Yeah. <clears throat> to better connect with Gen Z. And mm-hmm. so can you talk, can you talk a little bit like what, what sparked that? And then kind of the process of, from like initial idea of, Hey, let's do this all the way through like the execution of it. Yeah. So this is, I'm excited you ask that because I get excited talking about it because we spent a lot of time trying to figure this out. Um, you know, we offer teaching videos for each of our lessons and, they're kind of, they, they were being done the same way they had always been done, you know, and we had, you know, multiple communicators try to, you know, keep the attention of a middle schooler. So it wasn't just one floating head. And I just, I think we all as a team agreed that this just doesn't feel very middle school. It's just not the best we can do for this generation now. And so we just started doing some research. I mean, and all these reports coming out about Gen Z, they're like saying, 80 to 95% of Gen Zers are on YouTube more than any other social channel on a daily basis. And so we started just asking teenagers and researching what, 
what YouTube channels are you watching? And we asked like all like youth pastors all over the country to ask their kids this and let us know what they're saying. And then we just basically went through the list and tried to figure out which ones keep coming up because obviously there's a lot that's regional, you know, what's, what's cool in California isn't cool in Maryland yet, you know, vice versa. And, um, so we were trying to figure that out and we basically went and we just would watch like during our team meetings, we would always section off a time to learn about what they're watching. And so then we would talk about what do we notice about it? What, what is similar to something else we've watched? What was something new we noticed? So we would watch these YouTube channels and laugh a lot sometimes, but also be like, they think this is cool. <laughs> like, what the heck? I must not be cool anymore. How many makeup videos did you get to watch? Because that's all the teenage <laughs> girls do. It is braiding, hair braiding, and hair oh stuff. Oh, my Lord. And Lord. makeup. Oh, yeah. Oh, God, man. Yes. And oh, then they'll and then they'll send you the link and they're like, "Hey, this is pretty cool." And I'm uh, like, "It's like, dude, I'm sorry, but I'm a man." <laughs> I love that they're sending you makeup tutorials. I think I'm they're like, trying to tell you something, Todd. Like, I have a beard. <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah. That's so so, funny. so, what were some of the YouTube uh, channels that you were consistently watching? Oh man, I gotta pull that up. <laughs> I've watched so many since. Hold on. This is have, you ever, have you ever seen the one that's How to Basic? Yes. Most <laughs> random YouTube channel ever, right? Yeah. But here's the thing is they have to get their education somewhere for how to be the little basic humans that they are. Right. I know. I love that it's like starts off so serious and then it's like. It devolves. It devolves. It, all of a sudden, you're like, I, I just didn't see it coming. I just did not see that coming. What just happened? Like, what? And in my, so did you see the one, did you see the one about coffee? They do, they do this whole video and it's all, it's about coffee. And it's, and it's something, oh, it's, it's, it's like. very similar. It's very similar to the, the, the how to basic videos. There's uh -huh. this new one out. Um, I, whenever we're done, I will send you the link to this. You have to see this, but it's the, it's the, it's the white girls tutorial to fall coffee selections. Wow. I'm that's just that's saying, amazing. you gotta see this. <laughs> that is amazing. Well, as of June of this year, um, this is what was, was popular then, which things change so fast right now. Um, but, you know, when we did that study, it was, you know, How to Basic, Bizarre Vark, Maddie Ziegler, Vat19, Filthy Frank, uh, Dude Perfect, Roman Atwood, Alicia Marie, Dan and Phil, the Merrill Twins, Markiplier, <laughs> Dan TDM. So there was like a ton of different ones. And it's, it's interesting because it depends on what the kid's interested in, we, we figured out. But they all have something in common is they're not overproduced. They're real. They include bloopers. They include jump cuts. They include like laughing. Like it's not all formal. Um, and by the way, I should say that this was specific. This study was specific to middle school. Um, so I know that high school is they're not watching all of the same YouTube channels. So this was specific to middle school. Um, and so we just, you know, started picking out what we were seeing as a team and we started experimenting with, okay, well, how do we do this? Because 
we can't do what's always been done, you know, if we really want to reach Gen Z. So we tried it and we experimented and then we sent it to a bunch of youth pastors, asked them to check it out, let us know what they thought, give us feedback. We had middle schoolers watch it, tell us, are we funny or are we like totally lame? And they were like, you're funny. And I'm like, thank you so much. <laughs> but it's been, it's, it's been hard, like trying to even figure out how to like lead people in doing it because we're, we, it's all new to us too. But I think that's one area that youth ministries, you know, we've gotten pretty decent at using Instagram, but figuring out how to use YouTube to, to reach our students, I think that's, I think that's what the next problem to be solved is going to be in youth ministry. Yeah. And that's something that we're like, we're actively having the conversations at the church that I'm working at is okay. So what does it look like to create our own YouTube channel and almost have like our, our weekly content outside of, yeah um, outside of a Sunday morning that kids yeah. can still engage with, still have fun with. And, you know, in some cases, you know, apply scripture and truth and so on and so forth. Yeah. And stuff. Well, and it was like, also you think about, well, if this, this teaching video is shown in a large room, like students are used to watching these kind of videos on their phone or a computer or something. Like, is it going to be creepy that it's like huge on the screen and your face is so close and like all these things. And we're like, well, we, we think it would be weird, but they probably just think it's normal, you know? And so we are we're still shaping them. And because culture is changing so quickly, I'm sure that we're going to have to continue, you know, evolving them. Um, and who knows how long these will be current. Um, but I'm excited. I'm proud of them. Our team worked really hard on them. Um, and the feedback we've gotten is great. And I'm grateful for like a whole network of youth pastors who are like, we, we believe in what you're trying to make better. Like we want to help you figure this out. So that's been amazing. Yeah. Well, I got to say, I was way too excited whenever our curriculum downloaded and we saw the first YouTube like style talks Yay! and everything because I, I love stuff like that. And I love stuff like what you're doing at Orange because it's just what you were saying. In order to reach a new generation, we have to do new things. It's not just yeah. the same old, same old. Yeah. And I mean, man, there's so much like about this generation, I mean, there's small group leaders are, you know, there's never been a more important time for them than now. If it's really about us being loyal to Gen Z, well, we, we as a youth pastor can't do that. It's going to have to be a sm the small group le leader in the life of a kid that's going to have to be there for them consistently and showing up. And, and there's no, there's no more important time in history that to partner with parents than right now, because if this really is, a post-Christian generation, well, then you're talking about parents who weren't raised necessarily in the church or parents who don't know the basics of or foundations of faith. And so absolutely, we need to partner with them because they really are the number one influence on a kid's faith for the good or the bad. And so we as youth pastors, we've got to figure out systems. And I know for me, like I know when I was trying to focus on small groups and small group leaders, it's hard to focus on that and the parent thing, you know, it feels like when you're focusing on one, the other falls behind, you know, but putting systems in place where you can be, you know, ministering to the parents and the small group leaders so that they can minister to this generation. Um, so you talked about something a little bit earlier 
that was interesting to me where you said that the team that you guys are working on is is going listen if this was up to us this is totally not what we would want to do but you're going man the the students are really they're they're really vibing on this how do you leader how do you belong to a team that's working on doing something and leading through something that isn't necessarily the way that you you guys would operate how do you continue to to be creative even through that process because that i would imagine that'd be a really hard thing to be to to create in because like you said you guys are having to do your own research just to understand mm-hmm. kind of the water that they're swimming how do you how did you guys do that effectively um i think it was becoming a student really of of the culture and diving into it not observing it from afar but like moving into their culture watching things that they would watch talking the way they would talk talking to them and letting them speak into it was a huge thing and like letting like kind of having a board of teenagers who can kind of give you their stamp of approval or guidance like oh you should edit that and keep that in that's so funny or and you're like that's funny like what <laughs> that isn't funny. I would have edited that out, but clearly I'm not a fun person. So I didn't know that, but thank you. Um, and that's something Dave Adamson has really helped us with too, because he does a lot of vlogging and, um, he edits all of his with his teenage daughters and they help him figure out what's funny and what's not. And so he's always telling us things he's learning from them. And so I would say it's, it really is about open handedness and like letting go of what we know to try something new, which is so scary. And it's also scary because there's going to be a lot of people who don't understand and they're going to be church leaders and they're going to be senior leadership and they're going to be parents. And I think it's coming to a place where you can be okay with the fact that they're not going to be happy because that's just evidence that you're leading. So. How do you equip small group leaders in that atmosphere as well? So we talked about, you know, leading and, and, and working among people who are on staff or, or whatever, or maybe pe- people who are more bought in. But now, now you're talking about small group leaders who they're not going to necessarily spend the same time that, that you or I are going to in discovering this. How do you lead and, and how do you train and equip them to be able to enter into the same water where you've got, you know, a 55-year-old who's willing to, to spend the time and, and, and lead a group of of seventh grade girls, but mm-hmm. she's going, what in the world is this? Right? How, do you, how do you lead and help connect the dots for small group leaders better? I love that question. Um, especially using a 55 year old as an example of a small group leader. That's amazing. Um, and I think that one of the things I've had to learn is it's not just about telling them how to interact with Gen Z, but helping them understand them and really getting them to understand Um, that we have to resist the temptation to approach this new generation as like a problem to change. Like we need to remember that what's important to their generation is okay, that it's important to their generation and that it's different. You know, it's okay that Gen Z's most important value is education or financial independence. Like it's not our job to change that, but to teach biblical truth and principles wrapped around those values and help them make the connection of what it means to be Gen Z and also a citizen of the kingdom. And so helping them understand that is like a frame of reference. And then it's, you know, how do you, what's your role as a small group leader with that mindset? And I mean, we use the whole lead small strategy um, and there's a lead small book. And then the follow-up book, the art of group talk, which is engaging, you know, teenagers in conversations. And um, I think using those as tools to help them become students of the culture as well, so that when they have a chance, 
I mean, man, we're never going to outproduce culture ever. The only way we're ever going to beat culture is by putting a caring adult in the life of a teenager. Uh, I mean, that's the only way we can do it. And I think just continuously casting that vision and helping them understand who they're leading. I think that changes the way they lead them. I want to go back to, you know, you and Caleb are, are apparently the two in the know about what you're doing with the videos new because <laughs> you know some of us don't Clearly, Todd, you haven't downloaded your new curriculum i'm also not in middle school ministry in my defense <laughs> no excuses um i'm so sorry for you <laughs> i'm just gonna throw that out there i'm not currently you know i i do elementary thank you um <laughs> what are some what are some uh, I wanted to talk a little bit. So we, so you, the whole YouTube thing and, and doing the videos in that way, what are other communication changes and styles maybe that for live talks that maybe you've, you guys have started playing with or advising people to start playing with, or you've seen people start to, to change some things in more live settings, because that's always the struggle for me. Whenever I've spoken to middle schoolers is it's always so awkward mm -hmm. talking to them live. <laughs> oh they're so hilarious um so hold on are you asking me like best practices in talking to middle schoolers or like how has youtube changed the way you communicate to middle yeah. schoolers how yes. Is you, yes both okay. yes to both okay okay got it got it um i mean i think you know, the attention span of a middle schooler just keeps shrinking and shrinking and shrinking and shrinking. So I think we need to consider the fact that YouTube videos they're watching are what, like 30 seconds to three minutes. Um, and although we can't necessarily teach a full lesson in three minutes, we can in 10 or 12. And one of the things I really love, um, Kurt Johnson, who is over at Saddleback, he, he really, he says this thing where you know, their attention span might be, what is it, like eight seconds or something like that. But he said their interest span is a lot longer than that. And so if you aim for interest rather than attention, you can keep them for longer. And I'm like, oh, so good, so brilliant. And so I think one of the, you know, ways we've kind of approached that is we, we do these things in our scripts called interactives, um, where it's either, um, you know, some kind of technology, whether it's a poll or a picture or um a uh, YouTube video, or it's a prop that you use throughout the thing, or it's some kind of like activity that they do. And doing that one, two, or maybe even three times throughout your 10, 12 minutes on stage, and it can be something quick, like a quick 30 second clip that has to do with your talk. But what that does is like it re-engages them in things they're interested in, and it makes it really relevant to their life. And so I think that that is, I mean, that's a way we're approaching it. Um, and we're at we're, we're encouraging youth pastors and youth workers to figure out how to do those things. And that's what YouTube does. It's like, oh, hold on one second. And it's like totally disrupts, you know, what you're doing. But I think what we've learned is making sure that when we do those things, it's not like taking them basically interrupting when you're about to make a, a point. So like there's time for it, like in the beginning, the tension. And but when you're about to, you know, get to your bottom line or the truth don't do something that distracts them from it, you know? So strategically place those things. Yeah. So I guess the follow-up, uh, I guess the follow-up is, um, and, and in the book, and now I have read this, so I am in on this conversation. <laughs> Which book? The Art of Small Group Talk. 
Oh, did you read the, reach the teen girl? I'm sorry. Did you read the teen girl one? I noticed that there was a name on the front of that book, <laughs> but they spelled it wrong. <laughs> the person's name was Ashley. Ash, it was Ashley. And I'm going, who is this person? I know <laughs> Ashbo. <laughs> Ashbo. Oh, Dave Adamson, I'm going to kick your butt. I know Ashbo. I don't know. that. And then, and then how do you pronounce the last name, right? Is it? Bohence, or is it Bohink, or is it what is it, right? <laughs> so then you get, so it's just easier to do Ash Bo. But it's true. It's a tough last name. I didn't pick it. It was given to me at birth. So <laughs> in the it, so in the book, it gives all these strategies for for how to how to be able to communicate with them. But one of the things that I found interesting as I as I've walked small. By the way, that that book. The, the teenage girl and, and the teenage boy book, I have used principles from that for elementary ministry. That's awesome. You know there is a kid's version? I do. I just found it a couple nice. of, a little bit ago. I found it, but I still use some of the principles because of what I'm about to ask you about. So in it, it talks about um, how how it's it's important to build these relationships um, so that you can have, by the way, the ability to have these conversations. How how do we how do we continue to get into their world um when you said that you know their their interests are are um different than ours and their attention spans are different because here's here's the problem that i have had is you know i'll i'll plan out an, uh, a thing to hang out with a bunch of my volunteers who are middle schoolers and high schoolers yeah. and we'll be hanging out and they lose interest pretty quickly and they all go over in a corner and are watching a, a, a different video and they're not even paying attention to what I'm doing before. So what are some ways that we can continue to build community with these groups of kids? Mm-hmm. I think um, the, what you just said in that example is such a good example because I think we're used to, you know, when an adult or leaders in the room that the, that the students should follow what they're doing. And it's really hard for the adult leader to come into a room and be like, well, if we're going to just take selfies the whole time or, you know, fart on each other or whatever middle school boys do. Um, <laughs> can I say I, that? Samir? I was once yes. a middle school, I was once a middle school boy and we don't think about farting all the time. Okay. Yeah. Okay. The other times we're just playing Fortnite. There you go. Fortnite is where it's at. For us, um, it, for us it was Pokemon on Game Boy, but that's fine. Or Pogs. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> do you remember those things? I do. <laughs> Anyways. Um, so I think it's like, Show them that you think what they think is cool. Like, show them you're, you want to learn something from them. Because, I mean, uh, Duffy Robbins always says, you know, middle schoolers are drawn to the oldest person in the room who takes them serious. And so, but if you think that a, a teenager is cool and what they like is cool, they're going to engage with you on a totally different level. And your confidence matters in it. So if you're, like, timid towards a teenager, uh, <laughs> they're going to be timid back. Like they will reflect your energy and your posture. Um, and they're really drawn to, you know, people who are love who they are, you know, they're, they're confident and comfortable with who they are. And um, teenagers need those kind of role models anyway. <laughs> right. So, yeah. How can we, how can we continue as, as leaders in, in these areas, how can we continue to, to set this generation up to win? Mm-hmm. Mm, 
can we set them up to win? I feel like I've already... I feel like I kind of answer. I, I don't know if I would give a different answer. I would probably answer the same thing as put a small group leader in their life, partner with parents, and make sure your mindset isn't about changing their value system, but understanding their value system so that you can help them, you know, understand biblical truth and principles wrapped around what's important to them. Because just because it's different than ours doesn't mean it's wrong. And I think, I mean, you know, we remember, you know, millennials were one of the most talked about generations ever. And how annoying was it when people would be like, oh, the millennials, you know, well, Gen Z is going to feel the same way, you know, because then if you if you make them feel like something's wrong with them, then they just feel like you don't understand them. Oh, um, well, one thing I do want to add before we finish up is if financial independence is such a huge value for them, we really as the church have to get comfortable talking about finances, especially with teenagers, which is weird, right? It is so awkward. It's so weird because like it was always like that kind of taboo thing. Like, you know, you don't really talk about it because people get weird about money. But then you're like, oh, my gosh, I need to get comfortable having conversations with them about this and leading them in this conversation because this is what's the most important to them. And so I think that, um, you know, we've been trying. We did a series for middle school at XP3M Money and high school did one as well. Um, and so we'll, we'll definitely be doing more in the future as we kind of tackle how to talk about, about financial independence with teenagers who – in some ways, you're like, well, do they have anything? Like, do they have money? And then you're like, well, actually, they seem to have access to more than anybody ever did, you know? So it's, it's I think that is something I would say uh, ch to challenge and encourage anyone who's listening. So just as we're wrapping up, we always have a few questions that we love to ask all of our guests on the podcast. Uh-oh. And it's not, what's your favorite song? Uh, it should be. <laughs> Don't worry, I'm adding it at the end. You're fine. But the first one is, what's one thing right now that is helping you either personally or professionally? Um, I mean, right now, obviously, anything that has to do with the Enneagram. I love tests. I'm a three on the Enneagram, so I like to take tests. Um, and But helping me understand myself and myself as a leader and what drives me um, versus how to lead people on my team who aren't the same number as I am and how it, it really has helped me, you know, learn how to leverage their gifts better and lean into their gifts and not get frustrated with our differences. And like, if something motivates me, but doesn't motivate them, like, that's fine. Like just figure out how to motivate each other, how to work better together. So I would say personally and professionally, the Enneagram is helping. I was actually sitting um, several, several conversations that have been, like huge. I, I asked Mark Ostrecker and Kurt Johnson and Tom Shefshunas, hey, if you could go back and talk to yourself when you're in your 30s, what would you say? And literally, this was not all together. They were all separate conversations. They all said, I wish I would have spent time getting to know myself because I think it would have changed how my 30s and 40s and 50s are. And so they just kept saying, like, figure out who you are, why you are the way you are, um, like what are your hot buttons, what, you know, what motivates you, what discourages you, and like figure out, work through all of that and 
And so I, I really take that to heart. And that's what I'm really trying to do is learn about myself. Um, and the Enneagram is just one of the tools that I'm using to, to do that. What advice would you give to somebody who's eager to learn? Ooh, don't stop. <laughs> Keep don't learning. Don't stop. Believe it. Don't stop. Get it. Get it. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> Um, that was for you, Dave Adamson. <laughs> that was for you, Dave. Oh, man. Um, man, someone who's eager to learn, um, I'd say have someone that you are learning from, someone you're learning with, and someone you're learning to lead. And I think um, that gives you an outlet in a lot of different ways and teaches you a lot. Um, and if you are one of the people who loves to learn or that you're learning to love to learn, that's such a good quality. And it's actually one of the top qualities we look for in job candidates is do they want to learn? Because we are never going to master anything. Like I swear the older I get, the more I realize I don't know anything. <laughs> I do not know anything. And so I have to keep learning because I don't know what's happening to my brain, but I guess not good things or something. Um, so I'd say keep learning, figure out what, I mean, for me, I do something um, called Fairy Tale Fridays, and yes, I have do. to. <laughs> I do. I, I set aside time to learn. So today, I spent you know the day learning about Hurricane Florence, and but I have to learn about something new, go somewhere new, do something new, or try something new, and because I'm all I like the experience of things, and so. Um, I guess it's setting aside time to do things where you can learn. Love that. If you could have everybody learn one thing, and this could be how to be like Carrie Newhoff and properly create straight lines in your yard and as you mow, <laughs> or something highly philosophical and very deep thought mm -hmm. thought provoking, what would those? What would that thing be? Don't be afraid to break out in song at any given moment. <laughs> let it go. Exactly. Todd, sing it. Sing it, man. I'm not singing any further past there because that you will be an admission that I know the entire song. <laughs> this is what I want everyone to know. It's like when you have a song, you just sing it. I mean, Elf knew it. I just was going to Christmas cheer singing loud for all to hear. So I'm, in a I'm gonna I'm gonna let that I, be my answer. Best I'm answer singing. of the interview. <laughs> oh. And then the last question is this: What are you learning right now? Okay, so I've been on this kick, um, this like planet Earth kind of kick, um, and something that's like totally blowing my mind. And I'm not gonna get the number right here because I'm not really a numbers person, but um. I was watching this, um, it's a six episode series like Planet Earth, but it's on Africa. And they were saying, this is crazy. Are you guys ready for this? We're ready. There's more tigers in captivity in Texas than there are in Africa. I'm not sure if that's true or not, but interesting. <laughs> this is what I know, Todd, is that every day, sand from the Sahara Desert blows over the ocean like they said like 250,000 tons blows over the ocean it has mineral rich algae in it from the desert and it fertilizes the amazon rainforest 
What? What? That is crazy. Exactly. How does right? that work? I don't know, but I love learning about it because it makes me, you know, going when I went into ministry, um, it felt like it kind of changed like the ways I needed to engage with God. And but watching these has really like helped me experience God in a way because I love to travel and experience things. So it kind of gives me a chance to like escape into, you know, places I've never been and learn about it. But it just makes me sit there like, holy cow. Like, I can't even understand this is all on the same planet. What is happening? And God designed it all. I know. It's so cool. Anyways, you should watch that documentary or the six-episode series, but in Africa on Netflix. And I can't remember what episode or what episodes. It might, might be number two at the very end-ish. Let me know when you watch it, guys. Bam, I'm putting that. I'm going to watch that. We will most definitely do that, and we will link to it in the show notes <laughs> if you want to join in on our Planet Earth conversation. <laughs> Or if you just want to let us know what your favorite song is, you can hit us up on Twitter or Instagram as well. I have one last question. Uh Uh-oh. If somebody came up to you and said, you have to give me one song, what is your favorite Taylor Swift song? What would your answer be? Oh, Guys, this is a deeply personal question. This might her. be the most difficult. <laughs> you know, question. I was just at the Reputation Tour, I... and with like 116,000 other Atlantans, and man, I can't pick a favorite because hello, it's like expressing different feelings. So I can't pick one favorite, but I do really love her. Do you prefer? Do you prefer new and improved pop Taylor, or do you like, or do you did you prefer? country girl i prefer the new taylor because she is like i just don't care anymore what anyone else thinks like this is who i am you can think whatever you want and i think there's a point in all of our lives where we have to just accept that and so i like that she's doing that and um although i have to say i remember when taylor swift was the free download on itunes the free download she had her, you know, blonde, wavy hair. No one knew who she was. Like, in McGraw, the song just had come out. And yep. I downloaded it because I liked her hair. So, I'm glad I did, though, because I'm a Swifty. <laughs> I wish everyone could see your faces right now. <laughs> On that note. Ashley, thank you so much for being on the Learner's Corner today. If people want to continue to learn from you, where's the best place for them to do that? Um, Yeah, you can uh, jump on and subscribe to the Rethinking Youth Ministry podcast or the Think Orange podcast. Um, I'm on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, um, or you can read the book, The Art of Group Talk. Hey, hey. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for being on the Learner's Corner today. Thank you so much for having me. It was really fun, guys. You're awesome. Okay, Todd. Besides becoming a better singer, what did you learn from our conversation with Ashley? Well, I'm not a better singer than Ashley. Ashley, you're awesome. Thank you for inspiring me to sing on podcasts. Anyways, besides that, hey, one of the things that I guess I I was just thinking about in that interview was some of the stuff that she was talking about in terms of things that they're programmed for um this is kind of part of their world and i think it's a great reminder for us um that 
as grownups, we live in a different world than kids do. And I think it's important for us to recognize that. And I know that sounds silly to say out loud, but sometimes there's the power of just saying something out loud. For instance, you know, the, this is the generation that people that is the most sexually fluid. Um, the, the porn pornography is the wallpaper of their life. Um, and we don't think about that, but it's true. And it impacts their worldview and it impacts the way that they interact with each other. It interact, it, it impacts the way that they're going to, they're one day they're going to interact as grownups with the world. And so as a church, we need to be prepared and, and understand how to speak into those um, circles and how to speak into those situations, not because, you know, we need to swoop in and, and save them from, from this, but we need to help them learn how to deal with it. And I think that right now what the church does and what, what we can be guilty of sometimes is we just want to swoop in and save the day. We just have to help them learn how to navigate. And so if we can remember to do that instead of just trying to fix and, and how to bubble wrap and how to, you know, um, cushion all the corners and the sharp edges. I think if we can get to a spot where we're helping to prepare them for how to navigate, I think that we're winning if we get to that spot. Couldn't have said it better myself. Completely agree. Boom. Now, if you enjoy. I'm smart sometimes. If you enjoyed our conversation with Ashley, we have a great episode for you next week. What is it? Next week, we are talking with CJ Cassiata. Well, actually, I'm talking with him. You weren't there for that. That's true. But it is so much fun. We're going to talk with him um, about how we all get this, Todd. This should be an encouragement to you. How we're all uniquely weird. Dude. And how to embrace our weirdness. So I, I could have taught that one. To make sure that you don't miss that episode, what do you do? Well, you know, you could bribe me. I'd take bribes. Or you could just subscribe to the podcast because if you subscribe to the podcast, it means you're never going to miss an episode because it's just going to come right into your podcast feed every week on Tuesday. Also, leave us a rating and write a review of the podcast. We have a challenge that is happening right now. Please make it a fun Christmas for me. Please make it a fun down Christmas the gauntlet. for me. If we get 100 reviews, um, first of all, if you leave a review, we will read your review on the podcast. Second of all, if we hit 100 reviews, I will re- I will read. He can't even say it. That's because I can't believe I agreed to this. I will read your review with a weird voice. A weird that voice. shall be determined. It is a to-be-determined voice. i got to see what he can do. Which is honestly the most cringeworthy thing that you can make me do. It, it, it's pretty bad. But if, if anybody knows me, I make voices and noises all the time. And so this is just the language that I speak. Caleb, on the other hand, just rolls his eyes at those things. So for him to step up in this way, huge. Way to take one for the podcast, man. You're welcome. Anything. There we go. There we go. So leave us a rating. Write a review of the podcast as well. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of The Learner's Corner. My name is Caleb Mason. My name is not Caleb Mason. It's Todd Hicksonball. And until next time, keep learning. Keep learning.